So many of you know that uh, I've been uh, on a journey and recovering from uh, cancer. And for some of you who may have not known that, surprise, uh, that's the journey I've been on. Uh, and I'm happy to report that to date, all signs are pointing to being uh, cancer-free, remission, whatever that word is. I don't know. It's amazing. God has been good to me and my family through this season. And I know not every family has that same journey. And they have not had uh, the same results that I've had in my battle with cancer. And I understand that. And if you're going through cancer treatments or your family is, um, I may be rejoicing and I know you may be struggling, but I'm standing with you in it that uh, God will be your provider. God will be the one that gives you strength to go through everything that you have to deal with in your cancer journey or your family's cancer journey. He is with you just as much as he is with me uh, and he will be your strength. But about last February, well, January to February, March in, in early 2022, I was like a walking zombie. If you were a part of our church at that time, you would have, you would have seen it in those, those couple of months. I was just, I was like lethargic and barely moving around. I took one of the black stools from the back and I used it when I was preaching because if I had stood for the whole time that I was preaching, I would have been falling over on the floor. I would have passed out because I couldn't just, I could just, I couldn't stand that long. I had no energy and I'm a little bit um, like hard-headed when it comes to I got to do what I got to do. I got to do my responsibilities. I got to take care of my business. And so I was just pushing through going like, man, I just don't feel good. I'm in treatment. So it must be the fact that I'm in treatment that this is happening. Uh, it was bad. Um, I could, it was so, so I was feeling so low. But it turned out that what was happening in my treatments was destroying my adrenal glands in my body. And so I was lacking cortisol, like at zero. So I was just like, I was just out of it, which is kind of a bad news, good news situation because I had a life altering issue that my adrenal glands were now destroyed, but I knew what it was that was causing me to be so tired all the time. And I could take medication to be able to replace that lack of cortisol in my body. My tiredness had a cause and that cause could be remedied. And as followers of Jesus, we can often feel tired all the time trying to walk out our faith. I know there's been a season in my life where I felt this way. And it just may be that there's something causing you today to be weary of well-doing despite the encouragement we read in scripture to not grow weary. And out of Matthew 10, I'd love for us to glean some wisdom for our lives regarding what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what we can expect and where we can draw strength from to continue in our journey. Right at the very beginning of chapter 10, verses one, it says, and he called to him 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. I love this. Isn't that awesome? Filled with authority, sends his disciples out to do this. 
And it's even better than that. Like, we get to know who they are. He lists them by name, who they are, the 12 disciples. They're real people, right? These are real people. They're not just like a group uh, uh, that we never know. We never get to understand who they are. Real people with real stories, real backgrounds, real struggles, and real callings that God had called them to. You have Simon Peter. You have Andrew. James and John, the sons of thunder. You can get an idea of who they are just by their, the nickname that they had, they had been given. You have Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and of course, Judas Iscariot. Jesus knows by name who his disciples are. He knows us by name. We're not just a faceless group. We're not just one of a hundred and some odd people here in Cornwall, uh, like worshiping today in this building. He knows each of us by name. And he calls us each to have purpose, identity, and mission for him. He gives us authority to do things that only can happen in the spiritual realm because of who he is. True disciples, they drive out darkness and they seek to bring healing. They bring the light of the good news of Jesus everywhere they go, bringing healing to those who are hurt and broken in the lost and dying world. And in it, we see this narrowing in this chapter, we see a narrowing of the mission of God a mission that has been in operation since sin entered the world. See, God had used this tiny, overlooked, and underestimated nation called Israel. It was made up of 12 brother tribes to be a source of hope, salvation, and a touch point for God's divine interaction with humanity. And while there might have been within Israel an idea that this was going to lead to them being the nation among nations, that they were going to be the elite nation that God was going to, like with authority, rule over uh, the world, God had a great reversal in mind. Because now that 12 nation of, 12 tribes of Israel nation was seen in 12 disciples, where we see them empowered through Jesus and his authority to expand his kingdom and not make names for themselves, but to lift up one name above all others. Well, God had started through 12 tribes, one nation. His son now does through 12 disciples, which started one body. Jesus sends them out to drive out the darkness, to bring that healing and seek that healing. And that's a big mission. That's a big mission. Can you imagine that? You're sitting there and Jesus is like, all right, here's the mission, boys. This is what it is. I want you to go drive out darkness and bring healing everywhere you go. All right, I'm about to already be tired. Right there, I'd be like, whew, wow, wow. You got a little bit more articulation for me? Just bring, bring, bring light and healing everywhere you go. That's, that's huge. That's tiresome just hearing that, isn't it? But God knows this. 
And out of love, sometimes Jesus will restrict our calling before expanding it to meet its ultimate aim. In verses 10, uh, or chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, it says this, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus gives them focused stewardship of his authority. Drive out the darkness, bring healing to the lost sheep of Israel. That's a little bit smaller of a region now. We've just gone from go everywhere and do this to now just this little strip along the Mediterranean. And here's this, true disciples embrace how, how authority has a focused assignment. True disciples embrace how authority has a focused assignment. See, God gifts us with spiritual authority and a burden and parameters. Left to ourselves, we try to take off more, we try to bite off more than we, chew, we can chew, don't we? We, we get a burden from God. This is, what I, this is the area of ministry I see you really doing. And, and God puts something on our heart, a burden on our heart, a type of people or a, a, type, a part of the world that's lost and broken. And our heart expands for it. And we see it globally. We see it everywhere. And we're like, I got to minister to all of that. And our hearts are so, so full of passion to do that. But we quickly grow tired. We quickly go weary because it's so big. But as God leads you to minister to others, embrace the gift of seasons of limits. Let God grow in you faith, experience, trust in his way of doing things. Be attentive to the scope of what you can do in Christ. As followers of Jesus today, we often want to do anything and everything possible to equip ourselves. God may have given us this big mission and we're like, whew, that's big. I need to know exactly what I need in order to do this. I need to be fully equipped. I need to have every training resource I need to do this. I need to have everything possible that I can download to be ready to do this. I need everything so that when I go out to do what God asked me to do, I, I can't fail. I can't let him down. I can do everything that he wants me to do and there's, there's no way I can let him down in this. But Jesus has a different take for his disciples when he sent them out. He has a much different take from his disciples than the way we would see things. We would be equipped to the hilt. We'd have backpacks full of things. We'd have things shoved in our pockets. We'd be ready to go. We'd have our credit cards with lots of, uh, lots of room on them. We'd have everything all planned out. But Jesus says, acquire no gold, no silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey. Wait, you hear that? No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or even a staff. They're walking everywhere. They're walking everywhere. Not even a staff to walk with. Not even an extra pair of shoes in case one, get, one pair gets a little sore to walk in. Not even a change of clothes. Our Western culture doesn't even have a grid for this, do we? 
We, it doesn't even make sense in our minds in, our, in a Western culture. Can't imagine going on a multi-week trip and you're not allowed to bring anything at all. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine I said, okay, God's got a mission for you. Drop your keys, drop your wallets, drop your, your, your jackets, drop anything other than what you're wearing literally on your body to be, you know, covered up and decent and go out. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Leave your purses, your wallets behind. Don't worry, we'll have them all locked up and safe here when you... Can you imagine that? No. You'd be like, this guy's crazy. This guy's crazy. There's no way. I can't do this. And that's exactly what Jesus asks his disciples to do. Which even in their circumstance is not normal. Even in their cultural paradigm, right when they're living, it was... you. You didn't have a wardrobe like we did. They don't have closets full of clothes for every season with like, you know, boxes storing other clothes for other seasons, you know, that we rotate through our closets because they're not big enough to handle all of our clothes all at once. That's not their paradigm, but they would at least have two or three tunics, you know, an outer layer and an under layer and a couple of those to manage while they're washing the other one, they could wear the other one. At least they had that. And they're not even allowed to bring that. Not even allowed to bring a little, a little change purse because all their coins, they only had coins for currency. Not even allowed to bring a little purse for that. Nothing. Just go as you are. Whew. True disciples embrace how more is not always better. Because sometimes it's a distraction. It's a distraction. I know early when I was starting out in ministry, I would get caught up in this. God, I need everything possible that you can give me to be ready for what you have for me to do. God, I'll do any training course that comes along my way, sign me up. Anytime there's a leadership moment or I could go and learn how to be a better leader, sign me up. And I'm not saying all the, any of those things are necessarily bad. I'm not. Because we do need to grow and be better leaders and, and take wisdom from others in, in order to do the best we can be. But when we're relying on those things and we think we need more and more of them, sometimes it can be a distraction from what Jesus says. Go, live, loving others. Treat others the way you want to be treated. When you run up against opposition, trust me that I'm going to share what I need to share through you and it's all going to be okay. Do we need to know the mission, everything about the mission? Know Jesus. Know Jesus. That's more important than knowing the whole mission. It's knowing Jesus. Do we need to know what we're called to do? For sure. Do we need to account for every variable along the way? No. There's a level of faith, not only for the work of the mission, but for the provision for the mission as well. And this would have immediately triggered memory, their memories to the Sermon in the Mount, which wouldn't have been that long ago for them, where Jesus asks us to be kingdom citizens, not to worry about our tomorrows, our provision, because God is our provider. And again, this is not an endorsement for not being productive or working, right? And not doing the due diligence you need to do to be approved. 
There is an ethic to work that God most definitely desires in us. Right from the very beginning, God says he worked for six days and then rested on the seventh. From the very beginning, he made clear that there was an ethic to working that we need to embrace. That's not what we're talking about. It's about looking to be that provision and do what you need to do in your own strength rather than in God's strength. Kingdom work. And as a follower of Jesus, it's all kingdom work. Requires us to take steps of faith with only God as our safety net. Not our savings account. Not a backup job. Not an invite to church when God asks us to, to witness and share the gospel with them in person. God is our safety net. Again, savings accounts are fine. I'm not saying that saving accounts are wrong, but when they're our source of security versus God being our source of security, we're getting off track. Sometimes we work so hard to have everything taken care of, we're tired even before the mission begins. We're tired when our planning was inadequate and we're totally stressed out with what we are facing and we're unprepared for. And as much as we think it's hard to understand God, he actually speaks quite clearly. In Jesus, there is no trying to read the fine print. He lays it out for us. There is only counting the cost. How the world treats him is how one day it will treat you. And true disciples of Jesus, they experience rejection and they will also experience persecution. Because of their faith in Jesus Christ, the disciples will be persecuted by their fellow citizens. And even within some of their own families, they'll face rejection and persecution. Our authority and assignment It may be right on point. Our trust in him for provision may be totally locked in, but that doesn't guarantee everything's gonna turn up roses. Resistance and rejection should actually be expected. Persecution should not come as a surprise. We will be hated because of Christ. Darkness flees from the light. This should not catch us off guard. Now, we may wish to remain innocent. And by that, I mean just blind to it all and not having to even think about it, worry about it. But Jesus does not want us to be naive. We may want to be shrewd and have plans about everything, but Jesus doesn't want us to manipulate to be both innocent as a dove and shrewd as a snake in the midst of the most difficult instructions. Jesus reveals a true disciple's source of strength. In verses 19 and 20, it says, when they deliver you over, notice that right away, when they deliver you over. There's no if in it. Expect it. When they deliver you over, Do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. 
For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. When they deliver you over, you don't have to worry about your speech. You don't have to worry about getting all your evidences all lined up. You don't have to worry about proving your points and getting them. Trust God is going to give you what you need in that moment to make a defense, not of yourself, but of the gospel. Don't miss the sacredness and the profoundness of what he's saying there. The same authority that Jesus carried, he gives to us to serve others. The same Holy Spirit who guides Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who will be in us. The same Holy Spirit that followers, early followers, used to share the gospel when their beliefs clashed with the culture. That same Spirit is in us. Jesus is saying, if you learn to serve from the same source that he has learned from, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You do not have to live in, uh, you do not have to live, I can read this, you do not have to live in fear of those who oppose Christ. You do not need to live in fear of those who oppose Christ. Let me say that again. You do not need to live in fear of those who oppose Christ. You should, however, fear following darkness, which will destroy both body and soul. You must also be willing to consider what this might cost you. This requires laying down our way of life to pick up new life in Jesus. It's a daily act of dying to self. Our agenda laid down so his agenda can be lived out. Matthew 10, 38 to 39 says, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. With this we have the ability to zoom out and see the whole picture, don't we, with the disciples. We have all the Gospels and Acts and the early church writings laid out there right for us. Jesus talking to his disciples at the beginning of their journey. But we can also fast forward, can't we? Remember that list of disciples that we gave at the beginning? Remember that? When he said those things, when he said, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Peter was listening, and so was Judas. They both were listening to him make that call, say, this is what it looks like to follow me. This is what it looks like to daily count the cost and decide whether or not you want to follow me. Both were listening. One, one lost his life so he could find it in Christ. And the other was not willing to lay down his life. Was not willing to lay down his vision of what things should be. Remember, take up your cross. Lose our life for Christ. 
Remember, Jesus is teaching them equally about himself and as a king and what life is in his kingdom. So what if we were to learn those lessons ourselves? Today, if you were to consider what is your current assignment? What is your current assignment that God has given you? Where have you added to what God has given you? Where have you added to it? What, what like, uh, equipment have you added? What, what things have you added to it? What scope have you added to it that's beyond what God has given you? What have you added to what God has given you? Where and with whom do you have spiritual grace? In what areas of your life do you have spiritual grace where you're able to walk and move more clearly in the things of God? Maybe those are areas that you're supposed to focus on. And if rejected, are you okay to trust God enough to walk and keep walking rather than turn away? Because as we walk in the spirit, in this life of discipleship, counting the cost, we embrace where our reward lies because we have been granted something amazing. In verse 40, it says this, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Only a king can say something like that or a father they are the only ones that would have the ability to say to someone else, you have all my authority. And somebody receives you, they're actually receiving me. A father could do that with his son. A king could do that with his subject. Because if a son went anywhere, he had the authority of his father unless his father was present. If a prince or a princess went anywhere, they carried the authority of the king, unless the king is present in which he holds his authority. You, as children of God, heirs to whatever God has for you, heirs to salvation, you carry the authority of God wherever you go. It continues. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is, dis he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will no, by no means lose his reward. Right up to the end of his, his instructions, Right before he sent him out, as he's closing, sending him out, he remains clear on where our motives are to be. Jesus, our prophet, our priest, our king, whoever receives us, receives him. And they share in the reward of God. We're not looking for rewards when we go out. We're not looking for accolades when we go out. We're not looking for people to lift us up when we go out and say, man, you are really good at what you're doing. We're looking to see Jesus' name be lifted up. We're looking to see them receive in what we too has received from. 
living life in service of others, it's going to be exhausting in, in certain ways. If this mission is embarked upon, especially in our own power, you're going to be tired. There's no way you can't be tired. Especially if you serve at a di- out of a different source than God intended. If you're here this morning, and people-pleasing has been a part of your source for how you live out your life. You wonder and you're always concerned about what others think of you and pleasing them. It is a different source. It is not the source you should be living from. If we live for unrighteous gain, if that's where our source is, it is a different source. If we look to, to, to yield... Or, worldly influence and friendship and have ties with the world that God does not want us to have, that is a different source. Even if we're trying to use it for kingdom purposes, it is a source that God does not have for us. And if you've been tracking with us and becoming heartstrong with our daily readings, maybe similar to me, over this last little while, the Holy Spirit has highlighted the tension between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of earth. And if we try to blend them, we find ourselves trying to keep control of a lot in our lives while also saying, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that very thing is incompatible. We can't hold on to the kingdoms of this earth and call down the kingdom of heaven and expect that it's going to happen the way we want it to, the way that we think it should. We're going to be so tired because we're straining to hold two things together that don't fit. Rest from the weariness that comes from that place. Find rest from it. Because when you do that, you're still in the driver's seat. And even if you want to drive out darkness, and that darkness could be found in people, it could be found in families and systems, it can be found all over the place. And even though we're trying to drive out darkness, if we're doing it from a place of us striving instead of from God, we need to remember that authority, that parameters, that our, our understanding and empowerment and our following, they're all essential to what it looks like in us living out our discipleship and following God. And according to Jesus, if we are to look through his teachings and, and try to narrow it down for us, we might find that there are five if you are tired reasons or you are tired if reasons. You might be, you might be tired if you are serving from an inferior source, something other than the Holy Spirit. You may be tired if you are serving outside of your God-given assignment. You may be tired as you serve in the midst of contested space where darkness reigns and you don't walk in authority. You might be tired if you are serving without a consistent time of infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you may be tired if you are serving but not following, unwilling to count the cost true discipleship. Today, if you're struggling to find rest, the 
burden of living out your faith has been heavy from any of the reasons I've listed or given or other ones, there's a call from Jesus to a deeper place in him that lifts your soul. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has told us the pathway is not easy, but his yoke is light. The mission we're on, the life that we're on, it's not necessarily gonna be easy in following Jesus, but his yoke in how to walk it out is not gonna be heavy. You're not gonna be walking through life going, man, it would be easier if I didn't have this yoke on me because his yoke is easy and his yoke is light. But it takes laying down our yokes to do so takes down trying to live this out from a different source. If you need encouragement for what you're going to be facing in life, even with an easy and light yoke, you need encouragement for either of those things. Come, come to the front for prayer today. If you want an easy and light yoke, Come to the front and pray. Receive Jesus. Receive rest in him. Find rest in him. And if you need encouragement, let your brothers and your sisters in Christ bear your burden with you. This is the way of Jesus. Becoming heart strong is connecting to the only source so you can best serve others connecting to the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And I'm not talking about our program. I'm talking about the act of becoming strong in Christ. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. He's been calling us, asking us to draw closer to him asking us to realize the strength of who he is. That even when we count the cost, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you're here today, respond to it. Let him lighten your load. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. We thank you that you do not ask us to do anything in our own strength, but to die to ourselves so that we can follow you, that we can see your strength, your power flow through us for your purposes. Because when we do it in our own strength, God, it is not enough strength for the mission. does not have the power to transform the way you do.
see our burdens lifted by you today. The Holy Spirit, you would empower us for everything you have for us to do. With our vision and our focus narrowed to to where you have us going, we choose to 